Having a classroom makerspace is a wonderful opportunity for students to think about the world in new ways and design creative solutions with simple materials. But how do you get started creating one? In this episode, I will be sharing with you my top tips for setting up your classroom makerspace. Whether you are a STEM teacher, classroom teacher, or library specialist, this episode will give you actionable tips to make the process more manageable and easier for you. Welcome to the Elementary STEM Coach Podcast, a show that'll help you with lesson ideas, systems, and actionable tips to apply to your classroom. I am your host, Naomi Meredith, a former classroom teacher turned current STEM teacher and coach. With over a decade of experience teaching and a master's degree in STEM leadership, I am here to coach you throughout the year to help you gain back more time to create innovative experiences for your students. Grab your earbuds and let's get started. Before we get into the episode, I wanted to let you know of a special giveaway that I'm doing for the launch of this podcast. Make sure to listen to the end of this episode to see how you can easily enter. I am so excited to talk about this topic today, setting up your makerspace. And I have to be honest, this has taken a lot of trial and error in my own classroom to figure out systems and routines that worked for all grade levels, K through five. I definitely had moments where During the lesson, things weren't working out, whether it was where I put the supplies, what supplies was being used. I definitely have some stories to tell you about that. So these are my tips and tricks to help you get started right away so you can have a great foundation in your own classroom and not have to go through all of the mistakes that I made. So I will be sharing with you three major tips and breaking down each of those tips so that you can have a great makerspace year. The first thing when getting started with your makerspace is decide on the storage and space you're going to house everything. Now, this is definitely up to you and a case-by-case situation. All classrooms are different. I was very lucky, and when I got my brand new job, I was gifted a brand new classroom. I just felt like I had won the lottery, but I know that's not the case for everybody. Some people may prefer having one designated small location where that's all the makerspace supplies. Some might have materials spread out along the room. Whatever you decide, make it work best for you. Now, we will talk about organization later on in this episode, but really figure out what space you have to work with. You can make it all work, just work with what you got. Once you have that figured out, decide if you are going to have a grab-and-go method where students are going to grab their materials from that location or locations and take it back to their seat, or if you are going to pull out bins as needed for the project. There are benefits to both, and I actually use both methods for different times of the year. I will start off the year, K-5, through by pulling out bins of specific materials I want the students to be using. My makerspace is spread out along my classroom, and everything is organized at kid height. I will have specialty items in the closet for specific projects put away in my cabinet, but the majority of materials are out on the floor. So even when you think about when you're shopping at a store, do you have anything in the back? I usually don't have a whole lot hiding in my closets. I just don't have room for extra things. So everything is out in my classroom at kid height. So I get started by pulling out the bins, so specific materials that students will need for their project. They will grab the items that they're allowed or however many I say they can get, and then bring those items back to their seats. 
For younger students, if this is hard for them to remember how many, even if you write it on the board, a simple tip that I have for this is grab a little sticky note, write a number. So let's say I want them to have three straws. I'll write the number three, and then I'll draw three dots on the sticky note and put the sticky note on the bin. This is something I will definitely use even if the students are grabbing things from the locations in my makerspace, it helps so much so that it helps build their independence and they're not reliant on me asking, how many straws can I get? This simple little trick has just been a great hack in my classroom. Another major thing when setting up your makerspace in your classroom is have designated locations for projects. Now, I know this is actually one of the most tricky things in classrooms because some teachers even see all the kids in the whole school the entire week. So you definitely want to just make sure you have space for all of those projects. Now, I do have a tip that will make storage a lot easier later on in this episode, and you're definitely going to thank me later for this one. But think about where those projects are going to be stored. I like to have on my open shelves a shelf for each grade level, and then I just have the grade level written down on an index card with an arrow pointing to the shelf. And then for smaller supplies, I have a big fabric box from Ikea. So those fold-out boxes I can take apart and pop up whenever I need. And students will place their loose materials in a grocery bag or Ziploc bag with their plan inside. And then the bags will go in the bucket at the end of class. This is really helpful after I teach the mini lesson in our group meeting area. I'll pull out that bucket. I might even pull out all the bags and lay them in a row on the floor to help students get their materials faster. But this little trick has just worked for so many different types of makerspace projects. So not only are you setting up those materials, but set up a place where the projects can be stored when the class is done for the day. The second major tip when setting up your makerspace is the organization of your materials. I know you're definitely going to want to see pictures of all this, so don't you worry. I will share pictures up on the show notes so you can have a visual of what will work best for you. Now, keep in mind, I was given a brand new classroom, so some of the furniture is very expensive in there. I will look up other things that are very similar that can help with your organization as well. Before I start asking for donations, I like to have my organization system set up first so I know how much of things that I can ask for and actually hold on to. So this is really important. Instead of asking for supplies, let's get organized first. When you are organizing all of your bins and drawers and buckets, make sure to label all of your things with pictures and with words. We talked about this in episode one when you're creating your systems and routines. This is a great great tip and helpful for all learners because that way they know where things go. They might even learn new vocabulary of what things are called. And also as a teacher, you know where everything goes to. I swear you will find things on the floor no matter how much you have a class clean up. This will help you know where everything goes in the classroom. Even further with your organization, I like to have different categories and locations for those different types of materials. I have a cardboard station where all of the little cardboard pieces will be. So thin cardboard that will cut into pieces, cardboard tubes, egg cartons, Anything that is cardboard related will go in one section, and those are labeled, of course. The other station is the paper station. So I will have all of the construction paper set up for them, lined paper for planning, scratch paper for building and for planning, graph paper. All of those can be found together to make it a lot easier for what they're looking for. 
Finally are the makerspace items, so the other little fun things that they can build with. So the pom-poms, popsicle sticks, cups, all of those are found in the same location. Another part of the classroom, I have all of the crayons, glue sticks, and scissors. Now, when I first got started, I thought it was a really good idea to have a big bucket of crayons and place it on each table group for kids to use. The older kids had no problem with this. So I distinctly remember it was my first week teaching STEM and I had first grade and it had been a while since I had first grade and taught them. I taught first grade when I was student teaching and then second grade my first couple of years when I was teaching. So it had been a little bit of a while. And I hear crying. I'm all, oh, great. Who's crying? Why are they crying? I go over to the table and the kids are telling me, oh, he's not sharing the crayons. Well, okay, you need to share the crayons. The crayons are here for everybody. And instead of giving the crayons back, he decided to put the crayons that he had taken in his mouth, chew them up, and spit the crayons into the bucket. So nobody could use the crayons at that point. And then there were more tears. So I knew I had to change my structure of even just how crayons were in my classroom. For some time, I did use little supply boxes. And in each box, there was a pack of crayons, scissors, glue sticks, two pencils, and an eraser. But then I also found out quickly the lids were kept coming off of those buckets. They weren't the best quality. The pencils were getting mixed up. And then this kindergartners were really excited that they had scissors in their box. I don't think they had scissors in their supply buckets in their classroom always out. So here has worked best for my crayons, glue sticks, and scissors and markers. I have them in one area of the classroom. These actually get used the most. They get used more than my makerspace. I have the crayons in little metal tins with a little handle and three buckets can go on each table. This is really great when students are helping pass out supplies, they can carry these buckets, or if I'm passing them out really quick in between transitions, this has worked great, and then two students can share one bucket, which is way better than a giant bucket in the middle of the table. Then I have in another container the glue sticks and the scissors, and that's it. So sometimes I might only need crayons for a makerspace activity or something else. Students might only want crayons. Now, this is also helpful too, having the scissors and glue sticks separate because, again, the younger students love playing with the scissors and you don't want anybody accidentally cutting their hair. Not saying that ever happened to me. Wink, wink. Um, but you, it's nice to have those separate as well. Markers are in little drawers that are organized by color. If students want to use markers for a project, they can go grab the colors that they need. And then on each of the tables in the classroom, I keep this out year round, are metal buckets with two big erasers and then sharpened pencils for all the kids to use whenever they want. So those simple materials are really easy to grab whenever needed. Finally, when setting up your makerspace after you have figured out the space, you have everything ready to be organized, you're ready to collect items. Now, in episode three, we talked more about how to get creative when gathering supplies. So if you haven't checked it out, go check out episode three. There's some tips and tricks to help you be creative when collecting supplies. And also at the end, I talk about a spreadsheet you can download for free where I inventoried my whole classroom, makerspace supplies included, that will help you get an idea for what you might want to collect for your classroom. Now, remember, I did mention you want to create a space where students can put their projects. 
This, if you don't get anything else from this episode, this is something I want you to remember. Small items make small projects. They take less time to build. They take up less storage space. They take up less use of materials. On the flip side, big items make big projects. They take longer to build. They make bigger groups and they use more items to build. So think about tape and you know how I feel about tape. I learned this the hard way. I let students create whatever size project they wanted. I didn't have room for anything. I ran out of supplies so fast that I didn't even have enough for the same classes in one day. When I shifted my mindset to where, oh, projects can be smaller and be a prototype and accomplish the same task. It's okay. It really changed how materials were being used in my classroom. When I'm asking for donations, I actually don't ask for large pieces of cardboard, big milk jugs, water bottles. I don't have room to store that. They're awesome to build with. However, in my classroom space, I don't have room for that. I really aim for smaller items that can easily be stored and I can get a lot of it. And again, I have those smaller projects and I have more room to store them. If you're thinking about a size, what is a good size? When Think about a large gallon size Ziploc bag. I try to aim students, if possible, if it makes sense, to create something that could fit in that bag. Now, there are some exceptions to some of the projects, but we're not making ginormous things that have nowhere to go in the classroom. Creating a donation letter can be very helpful. Instead of sending a mass email out to families, maybe you could think about sending that donation letter to one grade level a month, and you can build connections with those families. So each month could be a different grade level. In turn, if you have a specific project that you are going to do with a grade level, you could send out a donation letter to that grade level and very specific items that are specific to that project. You probably will get a better response with a smaller group in that way, and then you can really target what you need for the project. Also for specialty items, sometimes I'll just send out a staff email and see if anybody has it at home. So for example, I need a bubble wrap for a project sent out an email, and the next day, all these people brought in bubble wrap for me. I might even ask students in the class during a project for items. So I needed more grocery bags to store our supplies. I didn't have a lot at home. I really try to use reusable bags. Not perfect, but I really tried. We ran out of grocery bags in our classroom. I told the kids and I said, hey, whoever brings in grocery bags tomorrow, I'll give you some makerspace money that you can spend on your project. Now, if you're wondering what makerspace money is, we're going to talk about that in a future episode. So hold your horses. That is a whole thing that we will dive into. So there's a lot of creative ways that you can gather materials and donations and easily get things for your classroom. Also have a few places for dropping off materials. In my building, I have a box by my classroom and in the front of the building, and I would love to add another box in the teacher's lounge. So just really great high traffic areas where students and families can drop things off that can be used in my room. 
Another way to gather supplies in your classroom is to have students deconstruct. Now, some students are obsessed about taking things home, which is awesome. Some kids really don't care. They loved the building process, but they don't have a desire to take it home. So after they take a picture in Flipgrid or Seesaw or any other platform that you're thinking of, students can take apart their projects and then put away the supplies that can be reused for other projects. So this is a great little in the moment mini lesson to talk about conservation of materials as well. On the last day of your projects, while students are deconstructing, just make sure you leave enough time for them to put everything away and clean out those bags. I will also reuse bags when possible if they don't have any holes or they're not broken. So the more that you can reuse in this space, it's just really great so you can get more life out of all those materials. So as a recap, here are the three major things when setting up your makerspace for success so that you have a great system that will work all year long. First is to set up that space and storage and where everything is going to go. Set up an organization system for all those different types of materials and think about ways that you can gather makerspace donations. To make this setup even easier, I made you a makerspace bundle for getting started that comes with 180 plus supply labels with words and pictures, different colors, an editable donation letter, a makerspace menu with money, which we will talk about in the next episode, anchor charts for specific supplies, and getting started lessons. This will be linked in the show notes, or you can grab it using this direct link, naomimeredith.com slash TPT Makerspace Bundle. Thank you so much for joining me today for all of these Makerspace tips. I can't wait to see you in the next episode. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Elementary STEM Coach Podcast. Before you go, I want to tell you about an exclusive giveaway for you as a listener. If you take a screenshot of this episode, add to your Instagram stories, and tag me at Naomi Meredith underscore, you will be entered to win a bundle of prizes, which includes two months free to my STEM Teacher Ultimate Resource Membership, free access to my STEM Teacher 101 course, and one free iPad case from Rugged. This giveaway will last through July 18th through 30th, 2022. If you're listening to this after this date, please still share. You never know. I still might send a fun freebie your way. Talk to you soon.